0: When I think about nothing could stop it, unstoppable, I think of this, opposite, right? Who is it in your life? You know there's a few people who you're like, God could never reach them, right? There's just no way God could ever penetrate that hard heart. There's just no way God will ever transform that person. There's just no possible way that God could get a hold of them. Just think about it. You got a person? Thinking of somebody. All right, not trying to play tricks on you, but I think that person's you. I, I think I'm that person. The person God had to break down every barrier, had to come through every obstacle, had to pursue me with His mercy, grace, and love. He had to come over every opposition I gave, and He did it in such an astounding way that I'm here today, praising him. Just think about that. The story today uh, that we're looking at is one of the best 180 transformation stories in all of the scriptures. Turn to Acts 8 or Acts 9. Acts 9, such a powerful story where Saul turns into Paul, right? Where, Where there's this radical transformation. But you know what? I would just say to you, You're not saved. I'm not saved unless we've had that same transformation in our life, you know, and it doesn't have to happen in one day. You know, I know some people that they were drunks and they were, you know, alcoholics or they were doing drugs. And then all of a sudden they were clean. It was done. They never took another sip, you know. Uh, You know, I'm telling you for my addiction, it, it took a little bit, you know, it was a one time crisis. And then it was a process back to the crisis process back to the crisis. So, you know, it can happen both ways. But this is a 180, and we all long for that in our life. Why? Because God wants to use us. God wants to use me. Did you know that? God wants to use you. He didn't put you on this earth just so you could have a good time, (laughs) you know. Oh, shucks. He, he, He wants to use you. He wants to use me. He has a very special gift set and plan and design in me. Every single one of us, he wants to use us for his glory. So because God wants to use me, he does these three things. And I'm just going to read the passage. Let's just read the whole passage, and then we'll get to these points briefly. Chapter 9. But Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, first time mentioned here, six times in Acts, the way. Men or women, doesn't matter. He might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, He approached Damascus and suddenly, you might want to circle that. That's a change. It's a 180 coming at you right there. A light from heaven shone or flashed around him and falling to the ground. We all need that moment where we get at Jesus' feet quick. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. What a grace filled, loving statement. I'm going to use you, man. I'm going to use you. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless like, what just happened? Hearing the sound of the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. It's kind of like us, isn't it? My eyes are open, but I'm not seeing anything. That's kind of how I was before I met Jesus. My eyes were open physically, but I saw nothing. And then he opened my eyes spiritually spiritually. Love that. Hope he does that for us all today. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Literally, he was fasting. He's like, I'm in a crisis moment here. Time for fasting and prayer. If you're there today, time of fasting and prayer would be great. Verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, like Samuel, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarshish named Saul. For behold, he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias. Imagine that. God's just putting it all together. Come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. How, how are you going to respond when God speaks clearly from his word? You all have that choice today because God speaks clearly from his word. <laughs> so you will have a choice today. And I, I wonder how you'll respond. Preparing you for that at the end here. Well, here's how he responds, but, 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 but God, (laughs) right? But, but, but Lord, he answered, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints, your literally set apart ones at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. I mean, in this city right now, right here, he's going to throw us into jail. But the Lord said to him, how firm is this? The Great Commission again. Go, you know, go make disciples. I have it teed up for you. Let's go. 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 For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Three groups that he's going to speak to. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and he entered the house and he laid his hands on him. What affection. He said, Brother Saul, The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. Saw that last week, didn't we? People rise and get baptized on the moment. It was great. And God says, you go, go. And taking food, he was strengthened. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. Then this next section. And immediately, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue. That ought to convict some of us. Like, I kind of need to take a class. Don't I need to, like, evangelism explosion or, like, you know, share Jesus without fear? Don't I need like some kind of, like I need like a couple months of messages at least before I share Jesus with somebody, don't I? No, man. Like, you got the testimony. It's your story. What did Jesus do in your life? Go with him. <laughs> Tell him what, you did, what he did in your life. That, that'll go. And he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is the Son of God. That's the only time you hear that in Acts. Jesus is the Son of God. You hear it in the epistles all the time, probably because Paul's writing most of them. But this is Saul, before his name's even Paul, saying, Jesus, the guy I was persecuting everybody about, the guy I said was dead and gone, and you all whack? He's the Son of God. And that ought to be convincing. And all who heard him were amazed. What? And said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? And Saul increased all the more in strength. Why do you think he did that? Filled with the Holy Spirit. He's being obedient. He's reading the word. He's in the synagogue. He's going to church. Right? He's around it. He's immersed in it. All the disciples are around him now. He's given his life to this. It's not like he's got one foot in the world and one foot in in the church. Right? Like we kind of do. It's like, oh, I don't know which week is it, you know? Which day is it? Oh, it's not Sunday. I'm, I'm in the world, right? It's Sunday. I'm in the church. No, he like gave his life to it. You see that? This is what we're looking for. It's what we're all uh, pursuing, right? And that's what God's still pursuing you for. It's not like I'm saved. I'm done. It's like you're here in church again because you want to grow in that. He's all in. He was strengthened. And he confounded the Jews. They were bewildered. We studied that word earlier who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. He proved it to him. Maybe he was at Isaiah 53, <laughs> you know? What, what passage did he bring it from? It could have been any passage. We learned that last week. He just brought it to Jesus, beeline. Verse 23, let's finish. When many days had passed, we know that it's uh, three years, actually, from Galatians chapter 1, the Jews plotted to kill him, And their plot became known to Saul. Holy Spirit moment. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples, now circle that. After three years, this guy has disciples. I mean, these are all disciples of Jesus Christ, don't get me wrong. But they're following Paul as Paul imitates Jesus Christ. Do you see that? And I just got to say to you, I want that for every one of you to have some disciples. And they took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples and they were all afraid of him. Imagine that. If three years ago you left, you were like on a rampage. And they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas... What does Barnabas mean again? Son of encouragement. This guy's like, everybody's a 10. He's all right, right? I'll die if, if, if he's not okay, but let, let, let's just assume the best. I love Barnabas. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, well, to Peter and James, but anyway, you, you could see that in Galatians 1-2, and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord. This guy saw Jesus. We're all wanting to see Jesus again. We're all looking up to the sky going, come on, look to heaven. He's coming back. This guy saw Jesus who spoke with him. He talked to Jesus and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and he disputed even Against the Hellenists. But they were seeking to kill him. Just like they were seeking to kill Stephen some three, four years earlier. (laughs) But they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, again, Holy Spirit moment, protection. They brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarshish. Why? Because it's his hometown. Right? Hey, go back home, bud. (laughs) So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee way up north and Samaria in between had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit it, what? Multiplied. It blew up up it wasn't just two plus two equals four it wasn't just add another person today it was like boom it was going exponential I love it this is a great story eh this is such like what this guy's like dun 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 killing you all say Jesus one more time go ahead say it I'm just gonna take your head off right and then all of a sudden he's like Jesus, you know, he's like over here, he's like, Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. You're like, what is going on? This is crazy. Like I said to you, you probably know some people, you're like, that ain't ever happening. You know what? Some people probably said that ain't ever happened to you. And maybe it hasn't yet, but it still can because God wants to use you. God puts you on this earth for a purpose, and he longs to use you, right? Because God wants to use me, here's the first thing. He rescues me from myself. Because God wants to use me, he's got to rescue me from me, right? He's got to rescue me from myself, from my flesh, from my sinful nature. You see it there in verse 1. Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. So still means it's continuing. When did it start? Look back at chapter 7, verse 58. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him, talking about Stephen, and the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. That's when he comes on the scene. People are laying their coats at, like, oh, I to, I'll be your coat, man. I'll be your, like, hey, lay it here, man. Hey, here's a big rock. Hit him, hit him hard, right? Don't worry about your coat. I got it, man. Nobody's going to take it. And then look at 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And then look at verse 3. Chapter 8, verse 3. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. House, He was dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. He's like, you're coming with me! Don't ever say that name again! All right. And then continue on in our passage. He went to the high priest and he asked for letters to the synagogue. Uh, even Ananias says... Hey, this guy has authority. He has letters from the high priests. He could do whatever he wants, man. He's in charge. And isn't that funny how that happens to us? We're large and in charge. It's like, my way or the highway? I'm a leader. Here we go, right? In my flesh. And then all of a sudden, suddenly, something happens, and I'm on what we call the way. Okay, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All of a sudden, I'm on the Jesus way, and I'm being led. I'm not leading anymore. I'm being led by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus Christ took my sin. We just celebrated this in communion, right? He took my sin, all of it, past, present, future. And he died for it, and his blood washed over it and cleansed me from all unrighteousness. He set me apart. He set me free. He crucified my flesh. It's not I, but Christ who lives in me. He had that falling on the ground moment, you know? Falling on the ground, he heard a voice, Hey, hey, you, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Don't you love how Jesus says that? Why are you persecuting me? I circled that in my Bible because Jesus takes it really personally. When did did Saul persecute Jesus? When, When did he do that? Was he the guy that whipped him? Oh, that was a centurion. Okay, like, did he drive the nails? I don't think so. Like, when, when did Paul, when did Saul persecute Jesus? You want to know why I'm in love with the church? You want to know why I think the church is such a big deal? Because it's the church of Jesus Christ. It's the bride of Christ. If you do it to the church, you did it to Jesus. Right? Back up. So that thing you said about somebody that goes to our church this week, you said that about Jesus. Okay, oh, about that we need to come back to communion I mean that, that's important to know how you treat others in the body you treat Christ Jesus takes it very personal you're his son or daughter you're a brother or sister of his let me ask you this have you ever been so right in your own mind? You're like, this is it. This is the right way. There's nothing that can disprove this. That's for sure. Right? That been so right in your mind, and then and then all of a sudden you found out that you were wrong. A- anybody? Come on now. The rest of you will someday find that. <laughs> right? I, I I mean, someday you will really find that, honestly. Um, I remember, you know. I use pornography. I mean, I was trying to think of like, give me a scenario, God, and, and pornography pops right up, right? Like like I'm like just go back to my sin, right? Pornography. I was a pastor. Got out of ministry for a year. Didn't know if I was ever gonna be in ministry again. By his grace I am. Praise him. But I was a pastor, addicted to pornography, right? Oh, well, that's not hurting anybody. What's that isn't I mean, it's okay. It's like behind the scenes, like, nobody knows, and it's not hurting anybody. Like, I'm not, like, murdering people. I'm not, I'm not, like, really doing anything wrong, you know? Maybe some guys relate to that right now. You're hurting your wife. You're hurting your kids. You're hurting yourself. You're separating yourself from Jesus Christ, right? And you're hurting the church. We're a body. You're part of the us, right? So yes, I was wrong. But I thought I was so right. And Satan can fool us, can he? Do you have something like that? Where you're like, oh, I'm so right! And then you find out you're so wrong. <laughs> I grew up Baptist. It was kind of cool. I'm glad to grow up in the church. No matter what church it was. Glad to know the, and have a copy of the Word and be able to read it, even though I didn't. I had to hear all the Bible stories, but there was this one thing, authority, that really, ugh, I hate authority. Anybody? Ugh, authority, my boss, ugh, right? And then the church, it's even worse. Like, you're like, I don't want to be under that authority. I grew up in congregational church government where we all were the authority, right? We all voted on everything, And uh, I thought I was so right that that was the way it was. And then I read the scriptures, and I was like, oh, I'm so wrong. We need to submit ourselves under the authority of a few people, right, of elders that God has established in our body. And I'm so grateful for our elders. Do you know how hard it is to be an elder? You probably wouldn't. But but you're basically dying to yourself to live for the church. I just spent Wednesday night in, in a room with, you know, four guys, Three elders and an apprentice elder. And I'm just telling you, I could see it on their face how hard it is. I could see it on their face as we walked out at nine o'clock. It's like, man, thanks for serving the Lord. Thanks for shouldering the burden with me. Sometimes we think we're so right and we end up being so wrong. What is it in your life that you're convinced about that everyone else in your life is pointing you in a different direction and towards Jesus? Everybody's going this way, and you're like going that way. And you're like banging your head up the wall. You can't can't even see it, right? What is it? Is there something that people have been telling you? There's 10, 20 people around you, your small group that have been like, no, no, not that way, this way. maybe you need that soul moment where is it that you're stuck you're just stuck i just can't get on free uh, unloosed you're like i can't get free from this is it a sin issue jesus christ is here You can fall at his feet right now. And he will change you. And you will be a completely different person. Maybe it's not a sin issue and you're like, no, 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 no. Maybe it's a self-righteousness thing like Paul, like Saul, right? I'm doing what God wants. 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 Whoa, you're God. (laughs) Maybe it's self-righteousness. Or maybe it's just I'm not really sensitive to the power of the Holy Spirit, so I'm not hearing him, so I'm just kind of on my own plan every day, and I think it's going well, but who would know? Sometimes God just has to get us, get our attention, and to set us straight, and to make it really, really clear. And he did that with Saul, and he can do that with you today. Do you want that? I'm not sure Paul wanted that. I'm not sure Saul wanted that. Maybe you don't want it, but God's speaking to you now. And he's saying, you need that. You need that. I wrote down six things. Salvation. Maybe you're like, no, I don't need to be saved. But you do. Maybe you're like, baptism. I don't need to be baptized. But you do. Maybe you're like, I don't need to be a member of a local church. What's that? Bah. I'm saved. But you do. Maybe you're like, I don't need to serve in the church. Are you kidding me? But you do. Maybe you're like, I don't need to go to a small group. Who needs other people? I, I just got Jesus. But you do. Maybe you're like, I don't need to tithe. That's ludicrous. Who would give 10% of anything? To, you know? But you do. So those are the six things that just came to my mind really easily. Maybe some other things come to your mind. Because God wants to use me, he has to rescue me for myself. Right? Is that clear? All right, God, please rescue me for myself. Please turn me around. Even if you have to do it and it hurts a little bit, please do it. Right? I think my heart's right there. Okay, this second thing. Because God wants to use me, he strengthens me with his church. Because God wants to use me, he strengthens me with his church. I think it's interesting in verse 10, he says, Now there is a disciple from Damascus named An- Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, what did he say? What did he say? Here I am, Lord! What are we doing today? This isn't like the first time God's like called him to do something. Like He's like ready to go, right? I mean, just look at it. Just look at it. What what is it? What is it? Like, this is how it goes. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. What what do you need today? And and the Lord said, rise. He's like, I'm up, God. I'm up. I'm up. And go. Okay, where am I going, God? Because I got my shoes on to the street. Okay, I'm outside. I know at least I'm supposed to go outside. Called straight. Okay, I know right where that is. I'm I'm, I'm walking that way at the house of Judas. Hey, I know that guy. I'll go that. Yeah, I know. I know right where you're talking about. And look for a man. Okay, I'm looking for a man. Okay, I'm, I'm walking. I'm looking for a man. From Tarsus. You're like, oh, I can't wait to meet him. I've never met anybody from Tarsus. Right? Name Saul. What? Who? The guy named after the first king of Israel Saul? That Saul? Hold on a stinking minute, you know? He's like... Stop the train. See how willing we are to like obey, obey, obey. And then it gets hard and you're like, no, I'm not doing that. But when God wants to use you, he's going to strengthen you with his church. And so he's going to use Ananias, one of the church leaders, to get Paul where he needs to go. And he's going to use some disciples as well to get Paul where he needs to be. Lord, I've heard from from many. It's not just one source, God. I mean, there's a lot of sources here. Like, God, I think you got to check your information. Are you listening to people praying right now, God? Because, like, did you take a sabbatical or a Sabbath? Or, like, did you go on vacation? Because, like, dude, I'm hearing some stuff. You might not be hearing this, Lord. How much evil he has done to the saints. And here in this city, God, in this city, he has the authority to throw me in prison right here because of the chief priest. What do you think the Lord's thinking? It's like, how irrational do we get when things get crazy, right? When God asks you to do something that you don't want to do, how irrational do you get? No, 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 no. You come up with all these excuses and none of them make sense, right? Right? This is, this is the truth, right? That is so irrational. He has the authority. I'm talking to you, God. You gave the high priest the authority, who gave letters to Saul with authority, to Damascus, authority from up the chain, you, right? And it's all coming from you. So he's not thinking straight. He fell out of the spirit, I guess, or something. I don't know what's happening. But Jesus wants to just be really clear. The Lord says to him, go. Guys, I got to tell you, you got to go. We have to go into this world and share the gospel. We have to go. Even if you don't think the person will ever accept Christ, you have to go. You don't know what God's done in their heart and life. You don't know how God's teed up your coworker or your neighbor or whoever. We have to go. And we don't even have to know who's a chosen instrument or not. Who's a vessel set apart? Who's a vessel of election, literally is what it means, chosen instrument. A vessel of election. We don't even have to know who God's elect are. We just need to know ours is to preach the message. Jesus is nice enough to tell Ananias, hey, this guy's going to get it. He's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles. I love that. So clear. And he goes and he says, Brother Saul. He lays his hands on him, right? It's like, hey, hey. Isn't that, oh, yeah. Like touches him. How comforting is that? A touch of a person, like, Lay my hands on you. I'm right here with you, brother. I'm right here. And he lays his hands on him. He calls him brother, Saul. Like you would never do that to your enemy. Hey? Yes, no? Am I the only one? If I don't like somebody, I'm not calling him brother. Matter of fact, I'm kind of picky about who I call brother and sister anymore. I have to think at least that they're saved, right? (laughs) But God had told him, he's mine. So in that case, he is saved. He's a brother. And Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me that you may regain your sight, physical healing and spiritual healing, And be filled with the Holy Spirit. Spiritual baptism. And immediately something like skills fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. And he rose and was baptized. Physical baptism. After spiritual baptism. And taking food. Again, physical food. But if you keep reading the passage... There's some spiritual food going on here too. He was strengthened. He was strengthened. Why? Because he was free from ailment, from sin. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And he was nourished. He, He had food. He was getting stronger. So what makes me stronger? What makes you stronger? Come on, man. What makes you stronger? Little weights. You're like, eight pounds is not going to make you any stronger, Steve. I'd have to lift this like a hundred times, right, to get any stronger, to rip any muscle. But let it be a symbol. It's heavy. It's a weight. If I carried around all day, you think my arm wouldn't hurt? Just a little? Yeah, it would. But what's a weight in your life? What's a struggle? What's a hardship? What's the thing you're going through that you're like, I really don't want to carry this? But it's the thing that's making you stronger, and it's the thing that's making you depend on other people in the church, other leaders, okay, other disciples, and most importantly, Jesus, right? That's the church. The church starts with Jesus. It includes leaders. And disciples, right? And all of these people, Jesus, leaders, disciples, are put in your life, in the church, to help strengthen you. But that strength isn't like what you think it is, where it's like we just hand out candy and that somehow strengthens and nourishes you. It's we get up under the trial with you, we hoopo men out, you know it with you we get up under the thing you're going through are you going through some stuff nobody are you going through some stuff yeah i'm going through some stuff we're going through some stuff but it's the church it's god strengthens me with his church with the other believers so what makes me stronger and not only that who encourages me to get stronger and healthier. Who in your life is encouraging you? That's your coach. That's your trainer, right? That's your small group leader. That's your pastor. That's your whoever's in your life that's like just coming alongside of you and saying, you could do it. You could do it. You can get in the Bible this week. You can do it every day this week. You could do it. You could bring somebody to church next week. You could do it. You could share the gospel. You could do it. I know it will be a little painful. I know it's going to stretch you. You could serve. You could do it. Kids ministry, don't. It, kids don't bite. Like, they really don't. Well, sometimes. <laughs> don't bite them back, all right? Lest they're yours. Just, just, we get so scared to do anything, to put ourselves out there, to get out of our comfort zone. But remember, if you've had this 180 change and God's taken yourself to the mat. Then he's strengthening you because he wants to use you. And where do you think he wants to use you? In the local church is where he wants to use you. It's not rocket science. He wants you to be a quality disciple who worships and walks and works for Christ. So how are you doing at those three things? How are you doing at worshiping him personally and corporately? You're worshiping him in your car? Or you got that secular crap on? Right? Just serious. I'm being serious. Using times in the car for prayer or to be fed some worldly talk show? Give me gravy. That's not going to help you. I'm being being honest. Are you worshiping him? Are you here on time? Did you get all five songs today? Or were you like, "Ah, I only got two or three. Whose fault is that? We started on time. Right? I'm I'm just saying, like, worshiping personally and corporately. We need you to worship the Lord. We need you to be stronger. We need you so the church is stronger. And we need you to be stronger so the church is stronger. It perpetuates personally, corporately. Walk your personal spiritual disciplines. Reading the word, prayer. Witness, There's so many of them. You could just go through a list. You read books on it. How are you doing? And your small group attendance. And not just attendance, but participation. Are you fully participating? Men of the church, if you go to small group and you don't say a word in the large group time, you need to check yourself. You're hearing me now. Do the pulpit curriculum, come to church, have something, one thing intelligent to say, and just get it out quick, right? Boom! Find the right time, have the right tone, and just boom, interject that thing and add some weight to that discussion, man. Ladies too? Ladies too? Remember when I was leading a small group, it'd be like ladies talking and no men, and I'd be like, get to the men's time, I'd be like, all right, guys, here's the deal. Like, you have to bring one thing next week. So, fellas, you have to bring one thing this week. Come on. And then work. Work for Christ. Be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Work for him. Right? Outside the church or in your neighborhood, to the community, but then inside your church. More important than maybe outside your church is inside your church, strengthening the church. I'm not going to twist your arm on it. I'm just going to preach the word of God. You need to serve the Lord. You need to work for him. All right, this last thing. Um, Because God wants to use me, he rescues me from myself. He strengthens me with his church and he prepares me to reach the world. He prepares me to reach the world. I want to read Galatians 1. Uh, verse 11 through 21, but for lack of time, I'm not going to do that. So wouldn't you go ahead and write that down? Actually, it should be right there in your outline. Why don't you go read that later? Um, in your mom's womb, God knit you to be who you are. Who did it? Who saved you? Who strengthened you? God did. He might use other people, or he might not. In this case, he did it himself with Saul, Right? didn't use anybody else. He did it himself and then used Ananias. But when God wants to use you, me, he's going to get it done, right? He's going to prepare the way. And then he expects us to do what? He expects us to speak with grace. He expects us to serve the Lord. He expects us to suffer like Jesus Christ did. So God prepared him through disciples, through trials, through all of these different things. Um, uh, he went away to Ara- Arabia for a time. Well, you can read that in Galatians chapter 1. He went away for, to Arabia for a time, and God met with him personally. And, uh, you know, you can go away every day and meet with God personally. Right? Like, Paul, he was such an awesome guy. He wrote most of the New Testament. You're like, you have the New Testament and Jesus Christ and the Holy You have everything plus that he had. You can do it too. The only thing holding you back is? Is you. God wants to use you, and he wants to use you to reach the world. So what is God preparing you for? I just got to ask you that question. What is God preparing you for? Do you have any sense? Have you asked him? Do you have any sense? What's God preparing you for? What does he have planned for you? Write a couple things down. Maybe he's preparing you to make disciples. That's the easy answer. Yes, he is. (laughs) That's the mission. Maybe he's preparing you to lead a small group. Maybe you can lead 10 people in our church. Maybe he's preparing you to direct a ministry in our church or start a ministry in our church. That'd be great. Be faithful in the little things. You'll be given more, right? Start there. Maybe he's preparing you to plant a church. Maybe you're going to be a pastor someday. I don't know. I hope it'll be because he calls you, not because you think it's it's the sexy thing to do, right? It's not. Trust me. might look cool like I get to stand up here and preach as long as I want or whatever, but it's not, right? It's God work. It's hard work. It's heart work, and it's healthy. Be grateful for God protecting you too. You see that? God protected him from being killed. God protected him from being killed. God protected him from being killed. Just look at verse 31. I'm going to end with this. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. There's persecution and there's peace. Are we in a time of persecution or a time of peace? Who votes persecution? Okay, interesting. Who votes peace? Okay, interesting. So we're split. We don't really know. Let me tell you this. You are here listening to the word of God. Nobody's beating you. Nobody's restraining you. Nobody's telling you anything physically, right, yet. So let me tell you this, church. Mentally, emotionally, you might feel like you're being persecuted, and it's real. But physically, nothing's happened yet. And so we need to get on it now. You get it? Like, we can't be like, oh, it's time for persecution, get in my hole, bunker down. We've got to go share the gospel God wants to use us now. We got to build it up now. How do we do that? Fear the Lord, don't fear man. Fear Jesus Christ, don't fear man, and be comforted by the Holy Spirit. You know you're going to go out there, no fear. People are going to shoot you down, and you're going to be like, oh, ah, ah, ah. and then just be comforted by the Holy Spirit. He said it would be hard. He said there would be trials. He, sa- he said it would make you stronger for the next time you're going to share the faith. Right? God wants to use me. He's giving you an opportunity. Can you just imagine what it would be like if we had a bunch of Saul's in our church? A bunch of Peter's in our church. A bunch of Ananiases in our church. bunch of Stevens in our church a bunch of Barnabases in our church can you just imagine those are different personalities but they're all on fire for God can you just imagine what our church would look like if we're all like stoked up that's what we're going for so here's how we're going to end our service right now right everybody's going to take their next step today I can't force you, but I'm going to give you a great opportunity to do your 180, to get on your knees, to whatever, and to to turn around and just to get going and to have this be your crisis moment, your Saul to Paul moment, and then never look back, right? All right, so here's how we're going to do that. If you're an elder in our church, stand up. If you're a staff member in our church, stand up. If you're a small group leader in our church, stand up. Go ahead. All right? Great. These people are standing, all right? Perfect. All right. These are the people, there's some up at the top too, don't miss them, um, that are going to help you take your next step. Here's how. Okay. We're, we're not going to close with any song or any music. If you haven't been to step one yet, that's your next step. Exit through these doors and head to step one. If you've been to step one, then you have a different next step. All right. And maybe it's worshiping. Maybe it's walking. Maybe it's working. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you need freedom from sin. Right? Maybe you need freedom from self-righteousness. Maybe you just need to sense the Holy Spirit more. I don't know. I'm not going to make it up for you. But I don't want you to walk out without having a conversation with one of these people. You're like, well, that might take a while. Yeah, it could. It could. But you're on the road to Damascus. You're on your own plan. You entered with your own plan. You can leave with your own plan if you want. But I don't think that's what God wants. I think God wants to speak to you. I think God wants to say something to you. I'm not sure what it is, but he does want to speak to you. And so if you'd be willing to humble yourself and just ask him, God, what are you trying to say? And let somebody in the church, some leader or some person that, you know, can speak some truth into your life, tell you, right? That would be awesome.